It's time for Blessed to Play on EWTN Radio, uncovering the role that faith plays in the lives of sports professionals from around the country. And now, here's your host, Ron Meyer. Fire score! My guest today is Brian Polian. He's in his first year as director of athletics at John Carroll University in University Heights, Ohio, in the Cleveland area. Uh, long history of coaching in Division I athletics, in particular football, with stints at Michigan State, Buffalo, Baylor, the University of Central Florida, Notre Dame. He had his own gig at the University of Nevada, and uh, he was at Louisiana State University, where he was the general manager of the football team, and has spent a season under Brian Kelly as a special teams coordinator. And now he's at a Division Three institution. We'll talk about his career, but also his philosophy now in his first time being an athletic director at John Carroll. I'd like to welcome Brian Polian to Bless to Play. Brian, so great to have you on. Thank you very much. I appreciate the opportunity to be with you. Well, this is quite a career that you uh, do have and have had, and I have to mention that you you come from some good stock. In fact, your dad is a Hall of Fame NFL executive Bill Polian, a Super Bowl winner. He's probably the icon of NFL executives, but you had, obviously growing up Polian, you had all this expertise around you. How did your dad rub off on you early on? Uh, The love of the game, for sure. Uh, The value of the players and the coaches above all else, because without them, um, executives, scouts, uh, administrators wouldn't have jobs. the appreciation for the relationships and mm-hmm. and the bonds that you build with with the players and the coaches and the staff and I, I was commenting to my wife uh, a little earlier this week. Um, this will be the first time in in uh, 25 years as a professional, and then probably you know a decade and a half before that that I'm not going to football practice on Thanksgiving. You know, I would even when I was in college, I would come home and I'd go to you know, Colts practice with my dad and then you're coaching and you're always uh, going to football practice. And, and so I just kind of grew up around it and have um, never wanted to do anything else. And I don't know if I'm uh, a little bit lucky for that. I don't know if I'm a little bit simple for that. It's maybe a combination of the both, but um, I grew up in a very unique way and it kind of led me on my journey. Well, obviously you had this love for football and your dad communicated this passion for the game, but you had to embrace it yourself. And in fact, you played at John Carroll University. So talk about why you went to JCU to become a uh, student athlete there. It's interesting. I, I'm back in this atmosphere now in NCAA Division Three, and there's a misnomer that Division Three athletes are here because they are not as competitive or they don't want to dedicate the amount of time that it takes to play at the higher levels. And the reality of it is in most cases, that is incorrect. We're just all given different gifts by God. And I wasn't physically capable. My dream was to play in the Ivy league. Um, I was just not physically capable of doing that. Um, and, and I found a level that was right for me. And to be honest with you, even at a place like John Carroll, which has got a storied football tradition, I was a role player. I was a good Mm -hmm. role player, but a role player. Um, so uh, I found myself here because I wanted a faith-based institution. I wanted a place where I was going to get 
a great education and have a network when I came out of school, but I also wanted to be at a place where people cared about competing Mm -hmm. and that, um, that going out and trying to improve daily and be your best and win the rivalry game and try to make the playoffs on the national scale, that was important. And I found those things here. Well, I want to talk about this, uh, uh, your career, your uh, obviously being at a number of stops along the way. And Brian, I got to admit, you're pretty spoiled here. You're at Michigan State, and there was a guy by the name of Nick Saban who was there as an offensive graduate assistant. Uh, Talk about just rubbing shoulders with Nick and uh, learning from him there. We didn't rub shoulders. I got yelled at a lot, but we didn't (laughs) rub shoulders. Um, That was like getting your master's degree in football two weeks after having graduated from undergrad. Um, I learned a lot from Coach Saban. I, I took lessons from when I was 22 years old that are with me still today in my leadership role of this department. Um, and, and some things are as simple as there is exactly right. And then there is wrong. You can't be 80% right. You either meet the standard, you either meet the expectation or it's not correct. And you've got to go back and keep working on it. And, and there were little lessons like that. There were very simple, um, methods of evaluating players that I still put to use today that I learned from Nick Saban just by sitting in the back of a staff room and listening to him talk about recruits and player evaluation. And so I I learned a great deal in my time with coach. Now it was baptism by fire. (laughs) uh, You know, I, I caught I caught my my share of butt chewings, but I, I learned a lot in the time that I was with him. Blessed to play Ron Meyer. We're chatting today with Brian Polian. He's the athletic director at John Carroll University right outside of Cleveland, Ohio. All these stops along the way, Brian, you became known as one of the best recruiters in the country. You mentioned going back to your dad. It's about relationship building. So what was your formula for just getting a respected player to look into the institution that you were coaching at that time? I just have always been driven by relationships and tried to be um, as authentic as I could be. I've never tried to be anybody else. Uh, I'm pretty comfortable in my own skin. And what I found was that young people uh, appreciated that. They, they don't want you, uh, for example, right now when, you know, if I, my last season uh, coaching at LSU, um, you know, there's music playing on at practice. I, I don't pretend to know who NBA young boy is or, or some of the guys that they <laughs> listen to. And I'm open to learning about what they like, but I'm not going to get up there and, and, and start pretending to be something that I'm not. And I think that authenticity, the work ethic, and, and just the ability to communicate with all different groups of people naturally led to being an effective recruiter. Now, in the end, um, I didn't develop that reputation until I got to a place like Notre Dame where, you know, that's, you've got a really good product to recruit to there, right? Um, Stanford that, you know, it's, it's not really difficult to get people interested in Stanford. So I, I was, you know, the recognition that I received as a recruiter wasn't part of byproduct of, the places that I was working at, like the best recruiter in the nation is, is not often, 
you know, come from Tulsa, <laughs> like, like, you know, these places that, that produce these recognitions are often places that it's easy to recruit to. Yeah. And you always say, you know, the head coach always gets the, you know, they, they always get the props for the recruits, but it's always someone behind the scenes is actually doing the recruiting and uh, making the, you know, the head coach look good. So you had stints under Charlie Weiss. You mentioned Saban, uh, Jim Harbaugh, and then you get your own gig at the University of Nevada. And Talk about your just coaching philosophies. You have all these different coaches who are in your head now and strategies and, uh, you know, just how to run a team, be the CEO of a team. Talk about how you embraced that time at the University of Nevada. Well, my, my only regret looking back on that time is that I didn't work for Brian Kelly before I got that job. Mm-hmm. Because I think Brian Kelly is the best manager of an organization uh, and best communicator with a team that I've ever been around. And and. You know, if I ever do some, if, if if life works out wildly and I ever get a chance again in my career to to lead an organization uh, or a football team, uh, a lot of, of what I'll put in the place I learned from BK. That said, um, the best piece of advice I got was from Kevin Sumlin, who I had been with at Texas A&M and, and had left Kevin to go take the Nevada job. And Kevin told me that the difference between leaders that can make it and those who can't are is the ability to have the uncomfortable conversation that often confrontation, conflict, whatever you want to call it, those conversations can be healthy. They can help clear the air. They can get people moving in the right direction, but a lot of leaders are not comfortable initiating those conversations. And so that's always something that stuck with me. When I look back at my time at Nevada, um, my first year, I was too concerned about processes and procedures. Mm-hmm. Uh, recruiting needed to get fixed. Academic support needed to get fixed. We had to hire a trainer. We had to hire an equipment person. There, Those things are important, but the relationships with the student-athletes and investing more time in knowing each player individually, figuring out what made them tick, um, those were more important. And unfortunately in year one, I spent too much time focused on, on processes and procedures and those things, they can get fixed. Um, I recognized quickly, I need to reset. And I recognized with the help of some older players like Joel Batonio, who now is an all pro guard for the Cleveland Browns, Cody Fajardo, who's now, he's going to play quarterback for the Alouettes this weekend and compete for a great cup. Um, those guys came in and said, Hey, listen, we like what you're doing, but you need to be around the players more. And that was a wake up call for me. And it's a lesson that I will never forget that I I put into use wherever I am in leadership. And and that's relationships with our people come first. Less to play Ron Meyer chatting today with Brian Polian, longtime head coach, a coordinator, assistant coach in division one collegiate football with uh, some of the, uh, some big name programs, and now went to the Division Three level at John Carroll University, his alma mater, to be the athletic director. And Brian, there's uh, an uncanny characteristics about John Carroll and a pipeline. Uh, I'd say it's maybe a Polian pipeline, but there's a there's a number of people in the NFL who have really good careers at the general manager position. Um, I think a uh, Tom Telesco. Uh, 
Your uh, your brother Brian has an NFL career, and there's a number of people there, and also behind the scenes as well in public relations. But uh, it just amazes me that this Division three institution has so many people working in the NFL. Yeah, it's a, it's a really unique story, and it starts. It actually starts in the '50s. Don Shula is a graduate mm-hmm. of of John Carroll University, and we play in Don Shula Stadium, yeah. and and so our ties back to the NFL go all the way back there. Um, but there was a time here in the mid nineties when, when there were a couple offshoots of, of, of a couple different family trees. My, my, my dad, Bill was the GM of the Panthers at the time. He hired my brother, Chris, he hired Dave Caldwell, who went on to become the GM of the Jags. He hired Tom Telesco, who went on to become, and is still the GM of the Chargers. Greg Roman, who was the longtime mm-hmm. coordinator with the Ravens had his own connection in the league and, and got in. Josh McDaniels uh, and Nick Casario and Dave Ziegler uh, had another uh, offshoot. And so this is, I'm very proud of this. We have currently 43 alumnus working in the National Football League. And so for a 3,000 student Jesuit college on the east side of Cleveland, <laughs> to produce 43 people that are working in the most competitive uh, professional sports industry in our country, that's pretty incredible. And, and I think it goes back to kind of the university's mission mm-hmm. of mind, body, and spirit. Mm-hmm. Like, not our, our people leave here critical thinkers. They're smart, but they're also competitive. Um, you know, they're well-rounded. They're not one trick ponies. They can do a little bit of everything. And then it, it, you know, the network kind of feeds itself. You know, I I remember a time when I was at Notre Dame and we hired, had to hire an entry level coach. And, you know, coach Kelly said to me, Hey, listen, I want you to handle this for me. And the first thing I did was call back to John Carroll and say, who's your best GA? Who's the best young coach? And uh, they gave me a guy by the name of Pat Kramer, who, was with us at Notre Dame for two or three seasons and is now with the Atlanta Falcons. So, you know, I think when young people come out of John Carroll now and they get these opportunities, they understand that there's a standard and mm-hmm. and that those of us who've come before them are looking at them and saying, you better understand there's a, there's a standard now and, and you're going to represent us well. And, and that has led to this really unique situation in the league and and our university. Yeah, a university that builds character for sure. I want to pick up on that theme, mind, body, and spirit, with our guest today, Brian Polian. He's the athletic director at John Carroll University, Cleveland, Ohio, and Blessed to Play returns right after this. O God, creator of the universe, who extends your paternal concern over every creature and guides the events of history to the goal of salvation, we acknowledge your fatherly love when you break the resistance of mankind and in a world torn by strife and discord, you make us ready for reconciliation. Renew for us the wonders of your mercy. Send forth your spirit that he may work in the intimacy of hearts, that enemies may begin to dialogue, that adversaries may shake hands, and peoples may encounter one another in harmony. May all commit themselves to the sincere search for true peace 
which will extinguish all arguments, for charity, which overcomes hatred, for pardon, which disarms revenge. Amen. Welcome back to Blessed to Play. Ron Meyer joined today by Brian Polian. He's the current athletic director at John Carroll University right outside of Cleveland, Ohio. What a career he has had as a coach, coordinator, head coach in Division I football with the likes of Michigan State, Notre Dame, Stanford, LSU, um, at his own gig at the University of Nevada for the Wolfpack. And now he's uh, it's first time being athletic director. And Brian, I know... You know, your philosophies, I want to say, you know, faith, family, and football have trickled down to you being the athletic director at John Carroll. But talk about these core philosophies, including faith, that propel you to do what you do there at John Carroll. Well, I think um, philosophically, I, I just my personal view of our profession, whether it be coaching or as an administrator, is very much in line with the mission of the university and that is to serve others. And it's it's a Jesuit mission. It's a Catholic mission. For me personally, it's always been about service for others, that the joy in my life comes from helping others be the best that they can be and, and enjoying their success and being part of something bigger than myself. That's where my joy comes from. So it's, it's natural um, that these two philosophies would mesh together together because they are they're so closely related. We talk about here at John Carroll University that we want to produce men and women for others. Mm -hmm. Self-centered people don't like it here. Other-centered people like it because service kind of permeates the whole place. It's in our DNA. Um, and I believe that those who coach, I believe that those who work in athletic administration, those who work in higher ed, they're worried. They're wired the exact same way that, you know, the service and um, being other centered is why they do what they do. So it was a very natural fit. Let's talk about the pursuit of excellence at a Catholic institution. You and this is what I find interesting about you, because obviously being a division one coach, you're playing in front of 80,000 people. There's a lot of media attention. There's you know, everything is geared and centered on that, and you're not going to get that at a Division three school, obviously. So you're coming here to really form the person. You're pursuing excellence, but there's a much greater attribute to what you're doing than just winning ball games or having your coaches win games. Yes, there's no doubt. Now, I'll be the first to admit that there are times that I miss being in front of 103,000 people in Tiger Stadium. I mean, that's a, that's a pretty intoxicating feeling uh, to compete in those venues. Mm -hmm. But um, I know this, the way that my heart would beat on the sidelines when Notre Dame would play USC or LSU would play Alabama, my heart beats the exact same way when I'm here supporting our football team who's playing Mount Union or our women's soccer team Who's, who upset the number eight ranked Case Western team Saturday, or excuse me, Sunday in the NCAA tournament to reach the Sweet 16. Like my heart beats the same exact way. One of the reasons I enjoyed my time at Notre Dame so much was 
I think that Notre Dame was a little bit of a throwback in the Division 1A world, in the Power 5 world formation, and your um, ability to impact the lives of young people, that's still important at a place like Notre Dame. I'm sure it's important at others, too. I can only speak to my, my own personal experience. But even at the highest levels with the brightest lights and the amount of dollars that's involved, the university itself and the athletic programs were still in the business of trying to impact young people's lives and help them to be better. And I always found that incredibly rewarding, and that is the same reward that we find here. Um, we're not having a lot of conversations about professional sports here. Mm-hmm. We're having conversations about how the lessons we learn through athletics and competition are going to prepare our young people to go work for the 500 companies where Carol uh, alum are CEOs. Uh, you know, the accounting firms that, that hire our incredible graduates from, when they go into higher ed and to coaching, you know, we are preparing them and we're, we're trying to be impactful in their lives. We're just not necessarily getting them ready for the NBA draft or, or the NFL draft. Yeah, forming people and forming men. You know, I've had the pleasure of having Lou Holtz on this show as well as Jerry Faust. And what was pressed upon me is that their their faith, which is uh, something that's inward, comes out outward in the way they treat people and the way they they form people. Like you were saying that, you know, even even at the NCAA Division I level, I mean – it's a small percentage of athletes or football players are going to have NFL careers. And if they do, it's not going to last very long. So coaches have this really important task of forming the person uh, to be people of character. And that's what's going on there, it sounds like, at John Carroll University. What is going to bring that smile to your face? I mean, it's you're not going to go – you're not going to see any of your coaches go to bowl games at uh, John Carroll or, you know, be on CBS or ESPN uh, regularly. What is going to bring a smile to your face that happens uh, with the coaches and also the student athletes in your athletic program? Well, please don't misunderstand. We want to compete. Like we want to win national championships at our level. And that is important to us. But for me, that the competition has always been a part of the experience. It's been a great part of it, but the best parts were never out on the field. The best parts are in our practice or riding a bus coming home from a game or being in the locker room and seeing a sophomore wide receiver that has not said 12 words to you at practice. And all of a sudden you walk through the locker room and you see that personality come out and you discover how funny this person is. I think back to a specific Chris Fink was a, was a, a, a walk on wide receiver at Notre Dame that eventually earned a scholarship who was very, very serious on the practice field. And then, you know, on occasion I'd walk through the locker room and he's holding court in the corner. You see this personality that I'd never seen before. You get to see how funny he is, how well-respected, how much joy he brings to the room. And those were the moments that I loved the best. It was the sneaking off to a country concert with the equipment guy at LSU, Louis Bourgeois. Like those are the things that people don't ever know about that, um, that sense of community that mm-hmm. athletics brings, those are the best moments. And frankly, it's funny. My dad's 80 years old now. He's in, thankfully he's in great health. <laughs> if you asked him, what does he miss? ESPN being on television, competing in Super Bowls, 
can't and the recognition, all the things, he will tell you he misses the camaraderie of being on a team. Mm-hmm. And fortunately for me now, instead of being a part of one team, I'm a part of 24 different teams. Yeah. So um, I shift from basketball to women's soccer to, you know, back and forth. And there's great joy in that. Yeah, that's great stuff. In fact, you authored a book uh, not too long ago in 2021. It was called Coaching Generation Z, Honor the Relationships. Tell us something about Generation Z. Uh, sometimes we get a lot of negative information on a certain generation, but what is positive about Generation Z from your eyes? Well, if you're ever looking for a silver lining, lining of the, from the pandemic, the growth and the amount of adversity that Gen Z had to deal with when they when when everybody endured the pandemic, they are coming out the back of it much stronger, um, much more resilient. And, and I, I look at young people that I dealt with at that time, and I just remember being so incredibly proud of them. Um, as it relates to you know what's what's unique about them, I would tell you this, and and this is a lot of the basis of of you know my beliefs. Um, despite having so much information at their fingertips, despite uh, the ability to text, direct message, Snapchat, all these different avenues that they can communicate quickly and easily, um, Gen Z still craves interpersonal uh, um, interactions. Mm -hmm. They want us to sit and talk with them. They want us to be interested in their lives. And when we do that, when we build and relationships and we connect with them, that is when we support them the best and help them be um, the best that they can be. And and I think that that's a really unique thing given the times that we live in. And it, it is a guiding principle of, of how we try to conduct our organization here at John Carroll. Yep. Service for others and the Gen Zers are certainly going to benefit uh, from that as well. And this has been a special show for me. I have uh, one daughter who graduated from John Carroll, and I have another one who's enrolled there currently. So uh, I like what uh, Brian Polian stands for, and his career is just unbelievable. And now he's taking his talents in the role of athletic director at John Carroll University. Brian, thanks so much for the time. I really do appreciate it, and uh, the best of luck to you. And uh, I know things will turn out uh, great for your athletic program and what you do there right at John Carroll. Thanks so much for joining us here on Blessed to Play. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. Hey, Blessed to Play fans, check us out on the web at blessedtoplay.com. That's blessed2play.com. You could like us on Facebook and hit us up on the platform X at Blessed to Play. For Brian Polian, I'm Ron Meyer. We'll catch you next time right here on Blessed to Play. You've been listening to Blessed to Play with host Ron Meyer on the EWTN Global Catholic Network. If you have a question or comment about today's show, feel free to email us at Info at blessedtoplay.com. That's blessed, the number two, play.com. You can also connect with the show on the web at www.blessedtoplay.com. Again, that's blessed, the number two, play.com. Join us again next time for Blessed to Play on the EWTN Global Catholic Network.